Hello, sisters. I have a teaching that I had taught about four years ago from the book of Ruth that I'll be sharing with you on this podcast. It is a seven-part series, and we'll be going verse by verse through the book of Ruth. So grab your Bible or just listen while you're doing your daily tasks. Either way, the Word of God is going to get into you today. God bless you. Hey, family. Welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat. And I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years. And I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's Word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's Word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another? They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning His Word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Ruth chapter 3. We remember last week where Ruth met Boaz and um, how he had just showed her such kindness and such favor. You know, he had just, he had filled up her with all the barley and, and he was just so kind to her and he had really... He had blessed her beyond a slave servant. Remember, she was a foreigner from Moab. And so, and he actually treated her like she was a maidservant. And so we, we kind of went over that last week, how, you know, Jesus has taken us in. We're no longer, you know, foreigners and enemies of God, but how we are now considered children of God. And so we kind of really set that up. And at the end of last week, uh, Naomi was, she had come back and was told Naomi, I met this man named Boaz. And he had told me to stay on the narrow road. He told me to just stay on this path and don't look to the younger men. Don't. He was going to protect her and keep her safe. And Naomi was like, yes, stay on that path. She started to see what God was doing. She started to finally realize that God had a plan and a purpose for all the pain that she had endured and all the things that she had gone through. And so now we're going to start seeing that plan completely unfold. And we're going to finish out both chapters today. So we're going to start in chapter verse. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? And so she's saying, I'm going to seek security for you. 
I'm going to show you how to do this. I'm going to show you the customs of our land, the laws of our land, because remember, she wouldn't have known all of those. So now she's going to start giving her some advice here. Now, Boaz, whose young woman, um, whose young woman you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Winnowing barley was when they would take the, the barley that they had harvested and they would go to the west side of Bethlehem or wherever where the wind was. They'd go late, later in the evening when the wind was at its highest and they would take the, the shafts and they'd throw it up in the air. And they would let the wind just take the light part of the shaft and, and take it away. And then the heavy barley would fall to the ground. And that's what they would use. They'd pick that up and that's what they'd use to make the bread or to make with the grain. And so this is where he would have been in the evening. He would have gone down there where the, where the highest winds were in the west side, the west part of um, Bethlehem. And he would have been chaffing the, the wheat, chaffing the barley at the, on the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself and put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. So therefore, wash yourself. You know, ladies, it's okay to be bougie. You know, we've been sitting there talking about shaving our legs and everything else. You know, when you're a married woman, okay, or you're dating, it's okay to, you know, Put on makeup and make yourself presentable and and put on nice clothing, nice garments. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Make sure we're modest. Make sure everything's covered up. It's only for your husband, right? It's only for them. It's not to attract other men and it's not to make other women jealous. But it is okay to be attractive and to, and to take good care of ourselves and to have good hygiene. And, you know, it's important. It's an important thing. God made us beautiful women and he made men visual. And so you want to be, you know, beautiful for your husbands. And they don't always need to see us like trolls. I sent a, a meme to Steve the other day where it literally said, I'm like, I'm too, I'm, you, it's either two ways. Either I'm your trophy wife or I'm like the troll that underneath the bridge just makes you tell, makes you think you have to tell riddles to cross it. He didn't understand it. And I'm like, well, you know, and I'm like, you know, it's just like, you're, we're either all or nothing, aren't we? We're like either in our yoga pants with our hair on top of our head and no makeup, or we're like bouged out. <laughs> it's like, and I think we really come that way in this society. You come from an era where it used to be women always dressed nice and in dresses and the hair and the makeup, everything was always done. I couldn't even imagine having to live like that today. It's so much maintenance, but we do want to take care of ourselves and it's okay. And so I liked to hear how Therefore, wash your face, anoint yourself, put some perfume on, put on your best garments and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. And then it shall be, verse four, when he lies down, that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. Listen to your wise, godly counsel. If you have people in your life, which you guys do, you guys are blessed to have people in your life that, that just have walked a little longer than you have in this earth, know a little bit more than you do, listen to them. Don't make decisions in your life, especially big decisions, without getting a multitude of counselors. There's a safety in a multitude of counselors. There's wisdom in finding godly counsel and taking their advice, especially if they're, they're gearing you in the scriptures. Don't just take anybody's advice. Make sure it's a scriptural-based advice. But... You know, Naomi was giving her advice and she was telling her, you know, this is what you need to do. And she said, I will do what you say. I will honor the fact that you've lived longer. You know this land better than I do. And I'm going to take seriously the wisdom that you're giving me. Especially you young people, don't make decisions without having some older, wiser wisdom helping you make big decisions.
Okay. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain and she came softly, uncovered his feet and laid down. Now this was just, this was a custom. This was not her being a loose woman. There's commentaries out there or there's false teachings out there that said that she was like, this was a sexual thing and she was a loose woman and but that's not it at all it was a sign of um submission it was a sign of honor like i want to submit to you i need your protection it kind of reminded me of the woman who um the prostitute who went to jesus's feet and washed his feet with her hair and her tear and her tears just that submission just that honor and i need you i need your protection i i need i need your I, I need I need you and so it, it it's how we should be with Jesus you know we come down to his feet and we lie down at his feet and we say I need you Jesus I desire you I I want you and and so and so after Boaz, okay, so then verse eight. Now it happened to happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself and there a woman was lying at his feet and he said who are you and she answered I am Ruth your maidservant. She doesn't even call herself a slave servant anymore. She doesn't even call herself the foreigner anymore. She's now saying, I am Ruth, your maidservant, because he had called her maidservant. He had said to her, I have redeemed you out of that. And a slave servant had no rights in the land in the land of Israel, but a maidservant had rights, could eat at the king's table, could eat or eat at the master's table, could also bear children and be an heir. She could bear an heiress, okay? So now she's saying, I am Ruth the maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. And this is what Jesus has done for us. He took us out of the slave market of the enemy and then made us a bondservant, made us a servant of him now, calls us friend, calls us daughter, calls us bride, okay? And then it says, under your wing, that's that same language that we used last time in verse chapter in chapter 2 and verse 12. The Lord repay your work and full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wing you have come for refuge. Remember we talked about that that under your wing literally is like a baby bird that's wounded, that sits under the wing of the mother and the mother protects the baby bird. That is what God does for us. He took us out of our brokenness, out of our pain, out of our sin, and he's, he's tucked us under his wing to protect us now, to heal us, to make us whole again. And he keeps us there to continue to protect us as life comes and trials come and tribulation comes and we sit under this under the wing. So it's like that eagle's wing that, that we sit under. And that's what that, that wing there again. Take your maidservant under your wing for protection, for, for guarding, for you are a close relative. Now we're getting into the, into the kinship law. When in Israel, when a, when, a, when a man died and left a widow, if she had no heir, which we know that she was barren, she had no heir, then a close relative could take her, marry her, they could have a child, and the child would carry out the name. So Emelech's name, remember, because of the curse, Emelech died, and then both sons died, and there was no heir, so technically that name is now dead. There's no lineage, and that was very, very important to ancient Israel. And so she, 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 she tells him, hey, you're a close relative of mine. In other words, she's asking him to marry her. She's asking him to take her in the kinship law. And then he said, blessed are you for the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness in the end than at the beginning. 
in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. He's honoring her and saying, wow, you could have gone after other young men, somebody more your age, better looking, more buff. You could have gone after people with lots of money. You could have gone after the fleshly desires, but you've chosen to come after me. It's predicted that Boaz was pretty old, much older than her, um, a lot older than her, but she went after his heart. She went after who he was as a man, not what he could offer her or what he, or what he, what she could have gotten in the flesh. You know what I mean? She saw the heart of Boaz. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Where have we heard that word, virtuous woman, before? Can you remember? Jimmy? Proverbs 31. For you are a virtuous woman who can find themselves a virtuous woman for her worth is far, far worth more than rubies and gold proverbs 31 he's saying you're a proverbs 31 woman now she's from moab we know that she came out of the land of proverbs 7 women she came out of the land of jezebel and not jezebel herself but that spirit just that sexual immorality and that and that looseness and that paganism and orgies and and just a dis idol worship like you wouldn't believe they the Baal worship that was over there in that land and she come out from the Proverbs 7 woman and now God has turned her into Proverbs 31 woman is that not our testimony Amen. how Jesus has taken each one of us out of the Proverbs 7 woman the the, the harlot sexually immoral drugs alcohol idol worship you know we are worshiping something in our sin you know whether some you know he took us out of that. Proverbs 7 in turn is turning us into a Proverbs 31 women. Women who are hardworking. Women who are good mothers. Women who are good wives. Women who um, have wisdom to where we can, you know, think of having different businesses. And we're smart and we're intelligent and we're virtuous and we love God, right? We're modest. We're meek. We're quiet-spirited. He's, he's tamed down the Jezebel or the, the Eve in us, Right? And is turning us into a Proverbs 31 woman. And that's exactly how he, he sees that in her. And now, verse 12. Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay, the night, stay this night and in the morning it shall be that if you will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So there was a relative that was actually closer to her or to Naomi than him. So there was somebody that was a little closer in the bloodline. So he had to technically go and ask him if he wanted to perform the kinship duty, um, the kinsman duty. And so he says, lie down, we'll worry about this in the morning. But he says, if he doesn't want to do it, then I'll be happy to marry you. I'll be happy to be your protector and be your redeemer. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor for the reputation. He didn't want people talking gossip, lies. This is one of those where we talk to you guys about we shouldn't even let the appearance of evil be named among us, like where we want to even refrain from the appearances of all evil. That's why we're not alone with the opposite sex. We don't have boys stay the night at our house because we're presenting to our neighbors. We're presenting to people that we're Christian. This is why we don't hang out in bars. This is why we don't do some of those things because we have to be careful. We never know who's watching, you know, and we don't know what, and rumors start really easily, right? And so we gotta be kind of careful what we do and 
what we're out there doing because we are representing Jesus Christ here on this earth. We are written epistles and we are ambassadors. And so, I mean, sometimes God does call us to go into bars and evangelize the people and things like that. But, you know, just as a practice, like you'll hear people say, I go to the bar every weekend. You know, I don't know, it doesn't matter. You know, I still love God. And it's like, mm, no, I don't know. Probably not very, probably not wise. We're supposed to refrain from all appearances evil. Or I live with my boyfriend and girlfriend, but we don't have sex. You know, I will refrain from all appearances of evil. And we're to use wisdom, you know. So, also he's, so verse 15, also he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six inferences of barley and laid it on her. Then she went to the city, just as he just provided more food for her and Naomi while he goes and takes care of this. He also wanted to have like a good faith thing, like, I'm going to go handle this. I've got you. I'm protecting you. This is what Christ does for us. He protects us. He provides for us. He loves us. Even when... Sometimes we don't know what's going on. We don't always understand why is this always happening in my life? Why is this happening? But know that Christ is providing in the middle of these storms, in the middle of these trials. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, is that your daughter? Is that my daughter? And then she told her all that the man had done for her. Verse 17, and she said, these six inferns of barley he gave me for, he said to me, do not go empty handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he's concluded the matter to this day. God is fighting on our behalf at all times. He's got angels fighting for us. He, J Jesus literally is mediating for us. He sits at the right hand of the father, mediating for us day and night, you know, just for, um, just advocating for us you know be still be still my daughters be still while you're going through these trials and these tribulations what you're going through when you're waiting on God for an answer when you're waiting and it seems like sometimes we wait a day sometimes we wait weeks months and guys sometimes we wait years on God in certain in certain circumstances in our lives I waited 13 plus years to get out of my dark soul night my wilderness and dark soul night pleading my case before God and nothing was lifting if anything I was getting worse and that's how I ended up in my dark soul night but we need to be still and know that he is God be still and know that he is working on your behalf you could not have anyone working on your behalf better than God you could not have a bigger army and a more powerful God full of absolute love for you working on your behalf so be still during those times be in your prayer closet. Turn on the worship music. Be in your word. Don't let it defeat you. Don't let it worry you. What does worry add one measure of day, one, one day to one's life? It doesn't. We know that worry and stress actually takes away from our life. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys. Until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace I leave with you until next time.